What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are the Warriors Huddle with me, Graham, with me per usual. My producer, Marcus. What's up, Dub Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Boys, I'm fired up to announce rejoining us, the Barrier News Group's Warriors specialist, the host of the Locked On Warriors NBA podcast, and a man who is not afraid to shout out the Marriott Hotel Group or accuse a good friend of growing random vegetables, Mr. Wes Goldberg. What's going on, Wes? Thanks for having me. Always a good time to be on here. Great. Thanks uh, for coming. Let the record reflect. So we always bring people in kind of early. We're doing this over a Zoom meeting. It is what it is. And we kind of talk about the topics. And at one point, Wes asked if we could pause for a minute so that he could go to the bathroom. And obviously, we allowed that to happen. But I have reason to believe that Wes, in fact, did not go to the bathroom and did that just so he could eavesdrop on our conversation and shit house us. Wes, any truth to that or what? Yep. You called my bluff. That's exactly what I did. Uh, that's kind of my move. Um, in all of these Zoom happy hour calls now, I just say, hey, friends, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Just talk amongst yourselves about anything that you'd like to talk about. Don't like as if I weren't even here. And then I walk and then I pretend to walk away and then I just stand behind my computer while I listen to them talk. That's amazing. Do you try to bait them with like really obvious takes? Like, obviously, I'm not standing here listening. So feel free to talk about me as much as you can. It's like, hey, remember that time where I just ignored all of you guys for a week? Talk amongst yourselves about how you felt about that. <laughs> What did you guys think about my ex-girlfriend? I'll walk away now. <laughs> we are on to you here, Wes. Don't you try to pull those shady moves with <laughs> us. And uh, boys, we got a ton of stuff to talk about today. In fact, we're debuting two brand new segments. So I tell you what, let's jump in. And here's the first. So right now, everybody is watching The Last Dance. Uh, the documentary ESPN came out early with about Jordan. In fact, I think it's about as or as close to live sports as we're going to see for months. And the reason I say that, I mean, it's, it's not live, it's a documentary, but it's a shared experience. It's something that sports fans can watch together and discuss together. And we don't have a whole lot of that. You know, we had the NFL draft, but to put it bluntly, I don't give a fuck about the NFL anymore now that the Raiders have left. So this is, you know, the one thing I have to look forward to on the sporting landscape. So in this segment, which we're going to call Enjoying the Last Dance, because I'm not very creative and can come up with a better title, what we're going to do is look back through each episode of the documentary and try to enjoy it through the lens of specific questions. We're a little bit late. There's already been four episodes, so this one might be a little bit longer than normal, but we're going to try to do this every single week. And here is the first question, the first lens I want to look at the documentary uh, through. I'm going to call it debating the throne. And the concept is easy. Recently, like really specific recently, the debate over who is the greatest basketball player of all time has really come into focus. LeBron's success has forced ESPN to start talking about him possibly as the GOAT. And suddenly now the question of whether or not Jordan is the greatest player ever is an open debate. Um, there's a bunch of LeBron fans out there. There's a bunch of Jordan fans out there. And in fact, the, the fact that it is an open debate is why I think The Last Dance was just released. You know, Jordan is one of the only players in history 
who owns his own image. In fact, that's why he wasn't in NBA video games for a long period of time. If you think back on like NBA jams or some of the early games, you never saw Jordan because he got to control that. So it was up to him to allow them to do this documentary. And the reason I think he allowed them to do it now is because people are finally questioning whether or not he's the greatest. And he felt the need to give out all of this footage, all of these stories now, because the younger NBA fan out there doesn't have a living memory of Jordan. So for here, what we're going to do is debate it out. What you guys think as far as who the GOAT is. Um, and what I love about it is that there's a difference in all of our ages. Uh, Marcus and I, I would imagine, we'll find out, are more from the Jordan era. You know, we grew up at a time when Jordan was a superhero, not just a superstar. And Maxime and Wes might be more from the LeBron side. Um, but let's see. So here's my first question, boys. Before the documentary, going into this, who did you guys think was the best player? Wes, why don't we throw it to you first? First of all, for a segment title, Watch the Throne was sitting right there. Um, is for instead of debating the throne, but uh, yeah. good one. All right, just saying. <laughs> all right, Marcus, uh, pick a team, you bastard. <laughs> I mean, Wes is in the house, dude, and I don't remember anybody sending me any text with any. I should have. That was my fault. Titles. Okay, yeah, thanks. Um, I got drunk on Sunday and forgot to text you. Um, <laughs> I was, I was in the LeBron camp. Here's the thing about like I I turned 29 two weeks ago. So when this stuff was being filmed, I was what, eight, seven years old, something like that. Uh, I don't like to me, I remember Michael Jordan just being like a celebrity. Like he was just like, it was him, Bill Clinton and Ronald McDonald. And that's like the people I knew when I was like seven. So uh, I understood he was awesome and, and larger than life, but like to watch then, like I appreciated LeBron in a way that I never appreciated Michael Jordan. So when you when you start this thing by saying this is live sports but not really for me it is kind of like live sports now, mm -hmm. I've went back and like watched stuff but never like with the like it's all with like knowing the ending and how it all, like you know you watch the YouTube video like Michael Jordan hits game winning shot against Utah it's like okay well I know where this is going uh, but this is sort of like a more serialized version of it so it kind of is like live sports for me but um, I'm I'm appreciating Michael Jordan in a way through watching this where I'm starting to question it because i had this thought the other day i know the lebron james has he has all this he has all these great statistical arguments he's eight straight finals like you know all these things but if you just flip the timelines and if you take lebron james and you put him in the mid 80s to late 90s and he does all the things that he even did right now and then you take michael jordan and you put him now and you say okay that's like lebron james is the greatest player of all time and then Michael Jordan comes along and goes six and zero in the NBA Finals and takes all the accomplishments and, and and all the things that he did. I think we would just be like, "Oh, this is done." Michael Jordan is hmm. the greatest ever. Sir, before we get into what the documentary has taught you, I just want to make sure I'm hearing you right. So when it when it first started, now that you're getting a chance to see him, right before that, were you leaning in the LeBron camp? I mean, which who who did you have a presumption was the greatest player of all time before that? Uh, LeBron, and I'm still leaning LeBron, but I just try to like have those thought exercises, which is why I said that. But uh, I'm still leaning LeBron, and but I was definitely, I was definitely heavy LeBron going into this, heavy LeBron. 
I'll make mine fast and I'll, I'll put it this way. Wes, you are crazy wrong. Maybe even a little bit stupid. Of course it's Jordan. It was certainly Jordan before. Why it's Jordan now, I'll save until we hear from Marcus and Maxime. MT, back me up. Um, it's definitely Jordan. I mean, I think the my age probably gives me that bias that you were talking about. We grew up on Jordan. So um, have, being able to see both of these players um, it gives us an unfair advantage. But I just think the impact on the game that Jordan had um, just kind of pushes it over the top. Statistically, yes, LeBron, you know, probably beats Michael in a, in a bunch of categories like rebounds and assists and minutes played. And then you get to finals and, you know, Michael Jordan wins. He was six for six in the finals and, you know, has something like nine, ten scoring titles. Um, but I think when you look at how the NBA was doing as a business before Michael Jordan got in there. And there's that part in the last dance where they showed how the indoor soccer team was, you know, like a bigger draw than the Chicago Bulls were before Michael Jordan got there. I think the fact that Michael Jordan and in partnership with, you know, magic and Larry Bird and some other players helped really save the NBA and turn it, into what it is today just shows the impact. It's like Steph Curry permanently changed the game for jump shooters and people his size. At that time, Michael Jordan permanently changed the game, but he permanently saved the game of basketball. And then he goes in there and, you know, like I think what's lost in that, some of those highlights, like that game two against the Celtics when they lost the series 4-1, that was, you know, like he was coming off a year when he, broke his foot, didn't play as the second year in the league. And he goes into the garden and scores 63, you know, against a team that had five Hall of Famers in it. So I think Jordan was just a more profound player and LeBron's probably a better all around player. But when it gets down to who's just the greatest to ever pick up the basketball, I think Jordan wins. It's not a slam dunk. Um, as it was because LeBron is, is closing the gap, but I don't think he can ever close it fully. Before the doc, Maxime, where were you leaning? So before the doc, I was I was leaning Mike, and I will say that in some ways that I'm still for sure heavily in camp Jordan as goat, but maybe the doc has actually tipped the scales a little bit more in LeBron's favor, um, just because it's humanized him for me. There was never a question because Jordan has always been painted as a figure that is impossible to beat. And as as a fan of the Warriors, who's almost like um, vicariously living through Steph and Clay and these people that I'm watching as my team every night, we beat LeBron, which means that like to me, he's just instantly um, beatable. He's human, whereas. Mike Jordan was this larger-than-life figure that um, that existed in this God-level tier. And so getting the curtain peeled back a little bit has kind of um, maybe understood, helped me understand that he wasn't like a perfect basketball player. In fact, it took him a few years to even get to the finals, um, much less win a title. Uh, but I will say, to, to, um, to augment MT's point, it's he didn't just make the NBA a bigger business. I mean, he made so many businesses a bigger business. And if you just look at the representation that he took Nike, the level that he took Nike to, uh, there's there's sort of no question. I think you can just 
talk about the number of people around the world that don't know who Michael Jordan is versus the number of people around the world who don't know who LeBron James is. And I think that would, that would settle the argument right there. That makes and and what I want to do is make this specific, um, specific to West because I want him to change his mind somehow during the course of this segment. But before I get specific, let me also give you an admission. My view on LeBron is completely jaded and unfair. You know, I I watch basketball the way I watch movies. It's just entertainment, and I root for the Warriors obsessively, right? So what that means is by the time they're playing in the finals, the best player on the opposing team is the villain of my movie. You know, just practical reality, man. And that's been true as a host of this podcast. So I recognize who the hell LeBron is, but every time I've watched him, I've watched him with the hate of an opposing fan as opposed to the intelligence of someone who's watched basketball his entire life. And so hopefully, you know, maybe Wes can talk us out of this, but let's weaponize this, all right? So here are the things I've pulled out of the documentary, reasons I think Jordan are better. And all of you, tell me when I am wrong, Wes, you included. Here's number one. Jordan, this is the stuff of legend. You know, it's it's what you hear about Jordan, even without watching any of his highlights, the things we knew before they came out with this. And it's the concept that he would prefer die than lose. He had the most psychopathic competitive mentality that anyone has ever brought to any arena, let alone the sporting arena. And we've seen some examples of that, right? We saw when he went to the McDonald's championship in France, something that just means nothing, means nothing at all. They've already won five titles. He has every reason to take that game off. Scotty is taking the entire preseason and most of the beginning of the season off. Rodman didn't even show up. And instead of viewing that as an opportunity to load manage, Jordan went out there and destroyed it because every game means something. And that wasn't the only one from that. After they win that game, we see one of his teammates jokingly celebrate with Ron Harper having won a quote-unquote championship. And they turn to Jordan and ask him you know, for a hug. Hey, I won my first championship. Jordan looked like he wanted to punch that dude in the nuts. It's like, do not play with the concept of winning, especially when it comes to words like championships. Um, we saw a story from Doug Collins that Jordan left a practice because he thought Collins was cheating on the score. By the way, Collins didn't say he wasn't. You know, it's possible that he was. Um, we see that when they start off during that last season, they're like three or four games above 500. It's, it's their first like 10 games. It means nothing. And Jordan gives this amazing quote saying, if you have already mentally dominated a team, you cannot let them get off the mat. That kind of psychosis, that's what I need from my greatest of all time. If we're talking about skill sets, chances are you're not going to find objective reasons why LeBron doesn't have the skills that Jordan does. You know, what am I going to tell you, man? LeBron is a freak of nature. He's unbelievably skilled. So I've got to go to things like mentality, and I think it's a slam dunk that Jordan has a better mentality for winning than LeBron ever did. Am I wrong? I have so many thoughts on this. Uh, <laughs> my first question to you is, what are your thoughts on Russell Westbrook? Why? What do you mean? Because he has that same mentality? Yeah. I think that, so great question. I don't know enough about Westbrook's mentality. I haven't watched documentaries on his, but I can tell you what he's missing. He wasn't able to weaponize it because he doesn't have a single championship. He doesn't have anywhere near the success that Jordan was able to obtain. 
And so, you know, if, if what you need me to do is take it a step further, it wasn't just that he was a psychopath, is that he took his psychosis and turned it into success. But LeBron did too. He took, LeBron took whatever personality flavor he is and turned it into success. So I don't care. I don't care about any of that stuff. I know that like, that's like the whole myth making thing with MJ is that he was just like this, like win at all costs, like emotionless super robot thing. I don't care. He just seems like a jerk to me. Like, I'm like, <laughs> all right, cool. Like sweet. Like LeBron seems like a really nice guy and he has arguably as many accomplishments as Michael Jordan does. Okay, but I take that one. I like that guy better. He's nice and winning two players. Well, so two players were playing 21. And the, the, you had to bet on one of them LeBron. for the, uh, the outcome of your life. Hold LeBron. on, I'm not saying these two people. I'm just saying mentality. Oh, okay. two, two players of equal skill sets. One would prefer die than lose. The other is a nice guy, you know, and, and okay. is enjoying his life. So Who that's, would you bet on? That's where I'll stop you. I don't know that LeBron is, I would rather, I, I don't know that he's not, I would rather die than lose. I just think it manifests itself in a very different way. And I'll say this, as as a proud introvert, I don't conduct myself in the same way Michael Jordan does. But it does not mean that I don't go as hard as some of my other extroverted, you know, people at our goals. I just go about it in a different way. And we see how hard LeBron James works. I mean, the the what you hear, like the legend stuff that will that we are going to talk about with LeBron is just the extent and the 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 stretches he went to take care of his body. We know the, about all the money that he, like this guy is unbelievable. Go on his Instagram any day during this quarantine. And you can just like see him working out like an insane amount. But in this documentary, Michael Jordan didn't like actually start weight training until like year six. And so it's like, all right, cool. Because you just like got kicked on your ass like a bunch of times. Now you're going to start lifting weights. Like LeBron has already been ahead of it where he's like, that was, so, that was a part of his routine from day one. And so I think it just his his just I am never going to lose that way again. And granted, he did. He's not six and zero in the finals, but like he also went against better teams. So I just think that an unfairly stacked teams. Sorry, but it was. I, I do think that it just it it came out in a different way, and it was a little bit more. It was a li- little bit less jerky and trash talky, and a lot more. Let me just get into my chamber here and just like hone my craft. Like oh to a degree God. that nobody's ever done it. Before. If by chamber you mean phone booth, that fool gets hit in the balls and he calls Kiki Vanderway for help from the league. Jordan gets pushed down by by Detroit and puts on muscle so that he doesn't need anyone's help but his own. Marcus, Maxine, which one of us are writer? I mean, I still lean towards Jordan. Obviously, I, I mean, I think I think the gap has been closed, and I think West, to your point, you know, like LeBron came in at a different point in a different era. So of course he's going to be, his body is going to be ready for the rigors of an NBA schedule more now, but that's because everybody's body is like, you look like, look at how Reggie Miller was so thin. If you put Reggie Miller out there today, he would get bumped around a lot more and probably wouldn't be as effective and he would have to hit the weight room. So I think the, I think that the overall competitiveness is, Obviously, I think tips to Jordan, not to take any way, anything away from LeBron. He definitely has to have that streak in him to be as successful as he has been. I just think that the ultimate um, differentiator between the two is just, to your point, the size. And I think that's where it works against LeBron James. Like when we talk about GOAT status, we don't mention Kobe. 
We don't mention Kevin Durant. We don't mention Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, it could be argued Shaquille O'Neal was the most dominant force, you know, when he was at his prime. I mean, it was literally impossible to stop him. So why wouldn't he be the GOAT? I think part of it is because it was just unfair. He was a seven foot one dude who was close to 300 pounds and had the footwork, you know, of, of like a messy. So, you know, when you add all those together, it's different. When LeBron James is coming at you and he's 6'9 and 265 pounds of just cut muscle with 2% body fat, it's different when you come into the league like Jordan did. He wasn't as big. They were telling him, you can't carry a team if you're not a center in this league. And Michael Jordan just did it. He did it anyway. So I think the the mental advantage that that Michael Jordan has over LeBron can't be discounted. I just think the the sheer will and, and the talent involved needed to take his frame and his size over those teams. I mean, yes, LeBron played some stacked teams, but he didn't, you know, the Warriors' first team wasn't stacked. They were just a better team. Sure. You know, like I, they were I think, without, you know, without Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, but that's fine. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, injuries happen. So, I mean, you know, if you put LeBron and that team against Magic Johnson and the Lakers or Larry Bird and Parrish and McHale and the Celtics, I don't know if they win. Or how Maybe. about if somebody implemented the LeBron rules? We just had an entire episode about how Jordan beat the, he got the shit beat out of him. They you did. Know? I mean, but, but, but. The Spurs, the Spurs implemented the LeBron rules, and they were just they cut him off at mid range. And that's, but you they, can't they, say the physicality that Jordan faced and overcame is anything near. Oh my God! What but LeBron has had to. Overcome. LeBron would have been even better in Michael Jordan's day. You want to give LeBron James at like 6'10", 260 pounds, and running a four four forty? You want you want to let him start hitting people? Yeah, I, bring it on. The other way around. The other way around. Would he have been, if not his ability to dominate other people, we can see that. It would be the rest of the league's ability to knock him down. And would he have the mentality, would he have the mental strength to get back up? They because wouldn't I, I knock tell him you, down. Well, I mean, it's I, huge. There, whoa, I, whoa, there whoa. are certainly people. LeBron, LeBron flops a lot. I mean, that's, different than getting, that's different than getting knocked down. He yeah, gets, they he knocks himself out. down, and then he turns up and winks to the camera. The point and is, is like, oh, I got I, you. I am less concerned about LeBron running into Bill Lambier as I am 1988 Michael Jordan running into. Fair enough. Bill well, no, Lambier. but, but pick somebody Fair else. Enough. Pick Marcin Gortat. It doesn't. I mean, there there are people within the league today who would certainly be capable of physically dominating LeBron. It's just a matter of what would he do in response to the it. same and, thing and, that Michael Jordan did. You well, that's and that's what we don't know. I mean, and I'll give you credit. We do know it. That's what I'm well, saying. The Spurs did it. The Spurs did the closest version of it, where they said, "Okay, we're going to wall off the point, the paint now, so you can't get to the rim." That was basically what the Jordan rules were supposed to do: is you don't get to get to the rim, Michael Jordan. But and the, so what he did was he learned how to pass the ball, which is something LeBron never had to learn because he knew how to pass the ball already. And and LeBron, in response to that, learned to improve his mid range game and his and his outside jump shot. That was that was the counter. There's a distinction between what you and I are saying. I'm not saying that teams that the only person on the face of the earth who's only who's ever faced specific defensive approaches is Michael Jordan. Of course not. And of course, scouts and GMs and teams and coaches have created specific plans for LeBron, including Popovich. What I'm saying is that. No one's ever been allowed to use the physicality of the 80s and early 90s against LeBron the way they did against Jordan. We know for certain that Jordan had the mental fortitude to get back up. I don't think, I'm not saying we, we know for certain that LeBron didn't. I'm just saying that we've never seen it 
Which brings me back to, I think, an amazing point you made and one I want an opinion on from Maxime. When, when Wes says, Maxime, that LeBron internally could be, might be, is as mentally dominant as Jordan is, but we just you know, haven't heard about it or at least haven't been able to see it, do you, do, does that speak to you? Do you think that's a possibility? That LeBron is as mentally tough as Jordan? Uh-huh, exactly. No, I, th- I think it's precisely the reason that Michael Jordan is the greatest and LeBron isn't. Like, oh, I think we've seen enough <laughs> out of out of LeBron in the finals against the Warriors to indicate that he doesn't have the mental toughness to withstand the barrage of different ways of attacking him. You know what's so much better? As, as the one, like, media flack here, as, like, the one guy who, like, participates in the fake news cycle, okay? I'm going to just attack other media members here. It is so much easier to write about Michael Jordan ripping a teammate and his ruthless desire to win than it is LeBron James taking 20 minutes before he goes to bed at 1030 every night to meditate with his calm app. It is so much like the mental fortitude. And let's not forget Michael Jordan walked away from the game in the middle of his prime because he couldn't handle it anymore. Whoa, we always whoa, gloss over that is this. Not objective fact. Nobody knows whether or not you know why he left. There's a, a ton of rumors that suggest that the league politely asked him to leave because of gambling problems. I am okay. not going to just way. blindly accept that. Either way, he walked away. I mean, wasn't there? He had a break. He was ripping Dennis Rodman for wanting a 48-hour vacation in the last episode. Bro, you took like a year and a half vacation. Did in the middle of it? Didn't he start to cry during the first year of the Heatles? Wasn't it because like suddenly he was a villain. He didn't like this new conception of him. No, we, was, had, we had all these Bosch. stories early on that, that he had. I, I feel like I heard it. I feel like I heard it from LeBron. But here, let's, let's take Marcus's point and let me ask you this. So I, I think it is an objective truth that Jordan's game is more beautiful to watch. I think that looking at his highlights now, is like watching a highly trained acrobat. You know, what he is capable of doing with his body is art in motion. LeBron's stats, while incredibly impressive, are more physically based. It's like what I could do to a first grader in a game of 21, just because I'm bigger and stronger. Am I off on that? Is this to me now? Yeah. Jenny. Yeah, because I made oh, the yeah. point, so I, I agree with it 100%. Uh, no, you're off. I mean, I mean like, what, what do we like? We're just like giving him like, oh, you're like really big. So like you automatically like don't, it doesn't count. Like, you know who else is big? Jeff Green. No, no, no. Wait a minute. That's Sucks. what we're saying. What we're saying is compare their highlights. I'm, okay. I mean, no, okay. If I'm comparing um, LeBron's highlights to Jeff Green's so, highlights, yeah, like, yeah, of course it's better. Jeff Green, Jeff Green though. He had some moments. Um, yeah. Shout out Jeff Green. I mean, <laughs> shout out Jeff Green. no, here's the I mean, look I, at it. I mean, think it like, look, so LeBron's probably one of his most, his signature dunks was dunking on Jason Terry, right? That's yes. Great. Yeah. One of my favorite moments in my life. Michael Jordan's is dunking on Patrick Ewing. I mean, well, one, one guy is seven one and one guy is six three. Oh, come on. LeBron's dunked on like seven one. Okay. Wait, but, but, right. but, but, but so but, anecdotal. Does uh, LeBron have anything like the switch in the air, the, the left hand to the right hand or the right hand to the left hand, right? From a skill level, I would say that LeBron no. surpasses, if, if we're talking about beauty of the game, just watching it from an aesthetic standpoint, to me, what stands out when I watch LeBron from just a beauty of the game standpoint, no, he does not have the at the rim switching for no good reason from one hand to the other just because he could, right? Uh, but, but, 
Don't say but. God damn it. But, I, right when I thought that we could be on the same team, you f- All right, go ahead. When LeBron is passing the ball, I have not seen anybody do it like he does. And that is all skill. Like, his ability to hit shooters right in the chest, right at the number, right where they need it. Or, like, Kyle Korver was talking about this um, in an article that I read, I don't know, years ago. But, like, how he just, like, he hits him right at, like, the hip level where he wants it. So he doesn't have to do, like, for a rhythm shooter, doesn't have to bring it down and up. It's already down. It just saves, like, half a second and makes all the difference in the world. It's like that is the stuff that's just unbelievable. And it's just this court vision and just this timing. Like, that's all what we're talking about. When you're talking about vision, timing, and precision, that's what we're talking about when we talk about skill. So, no, he doesn't just, like, switch it with his tongue out because he can. He actually makes a beautiful pass in a way that we've never actually seen that before, that he is downloading the game at a speed that we've never seen before and then is able to execute it in a way, skill-wise and physicality-wise, we have never seen before. Well, I, don't think, I think we've seen somebody give a pass into the numbers and hit somebody in their numbers But not with before. the consistency. Right. Which, like, no, Magic Johnson? I think what are you talking about? Magic Johnson was a much better passer. He's a great passer. I think... So who's the better defensive player, Wes? I, like, if we're going to say that, like, Michael... Like, all, like, LeBron James's good things were, like, okay, Magic... Like, all, like, you can watch Kobe Bryant and be like, well, he also has a nice turnaround fadeaway. Like, that's not what we're talking about. We're comparing Michael to LeBron. And you asked right. me whether so or not, Michael, from Michael a skill LeBron, standpoint, LeBron has this. And LeBron does Michael have a skill. LeBron, who's the better defensive player, if you had to pick one? At, give me one defensive possession at their peak, LeBron. No, not one defensive. Who's the better defensive player? Fine, LeBron. Okay. I just feel if, like we're gonna talk about, if we're going to talk about highlights, LeBron's maybe greatest highlight ever is a defensive play. I don't remember a single defensive play Michael Jordan did. But we don't even need to be anecdotal. Like, this isn't about That's what I'm saying. whether or I don't not we have opinions. Play. Like, who has won a defense, defensive player of the year award? Well, I mean, uh, LeBron got robbed. LeBron hold, on, got hold, robbed. On, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's keep this organized. Let's stick with the paradigm that, that Wes just gave us. I don't remember the three bullet points that you established to set up what skill means, but you're limiting within your analysis those three bullet points to passing alone. If we use those three, I mean, what, what was it? It was skill. What were the three things you told us? No, it was really eloquent when I said it. Now I don't remember it. But yeah, well, it was, whatever the uh, hell the three bullet points were, <laughs> if we stretch it out through the entire skill, spectrum, it was uh, precision, timing, and okay, precision, like timing, and whatever the f- the third one was. If we take that through the entire spectrum of the sport, not just passing, I would argue that that skill argument would land further on Jordan's side than it would on LeBron. The That's fact fair. that you were able to pinpoint a single skill within the sport of basketball in which he succeeds does not mean he is necessarily better. But let me tell you this. I love the passion you're bringing. I f-ing love this. I thought this might be a boring segment. Instead, I feel like we're drinking beers and arguing. So this is exactly what I wanted. Let me Wait, give are you- we not? Are we not drinking beers and arguing? I've been, it's not beers. I've been drinking. I've been drinking for a long time. Let me give you this one. So All Michael right? Jordan's tequila, is that why you're literally just drinking the Kool-Aid? <laughs> Very obviously. Here's another one. Jordan didn't let concerns over his legacy impact his pursuit of success or greatness how many times has lebron joined the dunk contest i I, I wasn't able to find that i'm just asking wasn't able to find it how many times would lebron have been willing to change his coach from someone like doug collins who was featuring him number one above everything else and then run with phil jackson whose principal thing to jordan was hey pass you are going you are not winning the uh scoring crown anymore you are not going to necessarily be the face of everything because we want you to win. And what did he do? I'm on board. 
LeBron, on the other side of that, is hand-grooming coaches so that he can stab them in the back in case things do not work out in his favor. You know, objective fact. What is the most overrated thing that you hear in, like, the scouting process for a draft? And I'm not diverting the conversation. I'm about to make a point here. But, like, what's, like, the most overrated thing that you can hear about from, like, a, an NBA draft prospect? You're like, they say a thing and you're like, forget it. What you're you diverting the conversation. I'm not. What is it? What, what's, what's the answer to that question? <laughs> I don't know. What is it? Like, some BS thing about, like, confidence, right? It's like, oh, he's confident. He's like, cool. Should he be the number one overall pick because he's confident? No. So I just like all these things that we keep talking about are just like personality traits. It's like, who cares? Who would, who's better at playing basketball? LeBron James is. That's not what we're saying. That's not that, that person. The one I just gave you was not a personality trait. It is. It was, is he willing know, to fire a coach? Is he like worried about his legacy? It's sacrifice. Like, it's sacrifice. That's a different thing. It, we're not LeBron sacrificed. LeBron has sacrificed. Okay, fine. LeBron sacrificed then. He's what? averaged 27 and seven for his entire career but, where there was a period it, like he was literally for 2013 shooting 60% from the field. I mean, he was the most efficient basketball player we've ever seen, a skill position player that we had ever seen. Okay. Le- LeBron James and coaches have come out, and, like Eric Spolster has come out and said this. He actually stood on Heat Huddle the other day where he said LeBron James could have averaged easily 40 points per game if he, if, if he wanted to, but he didn't because that whole thing in this documentary about we finally had to give LeBron or we had to give Michael Jordan a shape, like, a diagram of a shape to figure out that he could pass the ball for him to hit that next level. LeBron never needed a shape to understand that passing the ball was a good idea. Oh. He was always sacrificing for his teammates. Always. That's like the whole narrative You're with LeBron ridiculous. James. He's the most unselfish player. You're being completely ridiculous now. I mean, completely ridiculous. There's no way that you can tell me he selected his current coaches in LA because he wanted to make sure that his teammates would ensure a championship. I he mean, doesn't and- need the coach to do it. He does it. Nick, he doesn't recognize that. I think I, I agree with you that LeBron has made the sacrifices, but the idea that he's made sacrifices more so than Jordan has to reach success, I think is off. But MT, Maxine, where you guys Wait, at? Can I, can I flip that argument? Please. Sorry. I just, all right. All right. I agree with you. That is a good point. LeBron James does not value coaching in the way that he should. He should have stayed with Eric Spolster his entire career. His best coach he ever had it wasn't even close. Not that. But, that's not my point. That's not my point. That's not my point. That was yes. my point. Okay, fair but, enough. <laughs> but Michael Jordan, uh, all right, you know what? Forget it. Michael Jordan wouldn't play for another coach other than Phil Jackson after that. Right? That's why he was retiring, right? How does that factor into what we were talking about here? I think what it shows is that he was willing to pursue championships above anything and everything else. What Jordan had identified was the best way to weaponize his talents to bring titles home to Chicago. That involved Phil Jackson. And when Krauss wanted to explode something that he knew to be title successful, he bucked the system. That was the, I just that was my question. I have no I have no follow up. <laughs> <laughs> here, let me um, let me throw this one out here, and this is maybe more of a shot at another superstar than it is LeBron James, but it has to be said. So we got an indication last night. That Jordan listened to and read all of his critics, something that has been coming into the news recently, right? We, we get that uh, series against Cleveland, and before he hits the game-winning shot against Craig Elo, he apparently corners three beat writers, all of which he chose Cleveland. He tells the first two who had picked Cleveland to win before Game 7, we've taken care of you and we've taken care of you. And he tells the last dude who picked him to win in 7, we take care of you tonight. 
And then when he hits the game-winning shot, as the documentary uh, explained to us, he screams out, uh, go home, motherfuckers, go home, talking about the beat writers. So what that suggests to me is this dude was out there reading things, right? And he was listening to things. Maybe he even listened, if podcasts exist back then, he would have listened to podcasts. But the principal difference is that when he was listening and reading these things, it was so that he could tell their authors, you, not so that he could ask them, why are you writing about me? He took his insecurity and weaponized it. He decided that I'm going to read these guys and prove them wrong. I loved that. I liked that review last night. That, that was my favorite, among my favorite anecdotes from that whole thing. I love that because as a beat reporter, if I was doing that and let's say I pick it up against the Warriors and like Draymond Green comes up to me and just like, F- you, I'd be like, yeah, that's awesome. That's a great story. Like now I have that forever. Um, it was no, that I agree that. That is cool because you hear like a lot of athletes now just will just be like, oh, I don't read anything. It's like, poor shit. And then it, and like, even if they do, they end up being like Kevin Durant and just like whining about it. Um, I, Wes, I didn't, so I love your takes um, and I love the passion we've brought. But I, I, I it, one of the interesting downsides of an argument segment is that we are both pushing each other and I don't really get to bask in some of the knowledge you're bringing. Um, and so let me, this is a real question. This isn't an F to you. I, I want to hear your take on it. Why has LeBron not been willing to try a dunk contest? And, and does that okay. matter to you at all? You know I mean? Like what, what's going on there? No, it does matter to me. Uh, I think that the problem was in similar to what you were explaining with uh, Michael and Jerry Krause, where he's like, you know what? There's systematically, there's something wrong here. I'm not going to take part of it anymore. And he bucks the system to use your words. It kind of feels like LeBron did that, did the same thing to the slam dunk contest. <laughs> yeah. This thing is a complete sham of what it used to be. It's a complete charade. It the production value, it's all like just a stage production and there's really no value to it. And if I'm going to, and, and LeBron for years was the best in game dunker in the league. And we all just yeah. like, that was it. And I think he was happy enough with that. And he wasn't, it wasn't that he was running away from legacy, but he wasn't chasing it. And there was a period too. Similar, you know, similar to this whole train of thought where in Miami, his one of his number one goals when he got to the Heat was to win Defensive Player of the Year. And I would say he could have done that in 2012, but he sacrificed that because he just, he didn't, he wasn't going to do that. He was, and look, maybe you could say, well, instead he did load management. Well, yeah, he did. Uh, and, and, you know, he learned to manage, like he didn't take games off, but he learned to manage his minutes and his body and his energy output and all these things. Because at the at the end of the day, all he wanted to do is win a championship, and I think that kind it, it kind of all it falls within the same category. And that was just, that's what's ultimately why this makes us such a good argument, right? Yep. Because you know who just tried to be Michael Jordan every single way it was Kobe Bryant, yep. and we never talk about Kobe in the same sure. like most of us in the same way. Because in order to be better than M- Michael Jordan, you had to be different, yep. but you see so many of the same spices and elements in the way they went about things, but they just went about it in such a different way. And it kind of goes back to what I'm saying. LeBron is nice guy goat. Michael Jordan is salty goat. And they're both like in this argument for that reason, but they just sort of went about it in a different way, in different eras, in different contexts. But I think there's a lot of the same stuff there. I think one of the reasons too, it's not the, full reason but it contributed is because of literally how lebron james dunks he jumps off of one foot and in a dunk contest it's 
it's aesthetically more pleasing when you have dunkers that jump off of two feet and can do things. That's why you saw like, you know, like um, Aaron Gordon, you know, like doing well because he would jump off two feet, jump over somebody and it would just, it's just a different type of dunk. So I think the, the type of dunks that LeBron does in game are so powerful, but they're usually the same one. It's because it's on a breakaway or he's, you know, charging down the lane and nobody would dare step in front of that. Whereas in a dunk contest, it's more creativity and how can you do something that's not just sheer power and that doesn't play into the strengths of LeBron as a dunker. Let, let me give you guys this softball. So another way that these guys have differed is how they got their teammates paid. You know, one of the ongoing subplots, at least in episodes one and two, is how Pip got f- right? He's got a, a seven-year contract for $18 million. And, you know, that's, that's Pippen's business. And it was the deal that he reached with the team. And, you know, Jordan didn't get involved. That's fine. But the other side of that spectrum is you look at contracts like Tristan Thompson. You know, when LeBron was involved, his boys got paid. Does that matter? Does, it, does that even, you know, does that fit into this analysis? Or does it only matter what they do on the floor for their own exports? I think the he gets people paid because he steps in in this situation of a Tristan Thompson or whatever reason, Contavious Caldwell Pope. But he also gets guys paid like Kyle Korver, um, other shooters that he's played with, um, you know, even to like a lesser extent, but like even Mike Miller making like 13, $14 million right. or whatever it was for Miami before. Like they just, they knew they needed a three point specialist. He wasn't worth that money. They had to amnesty him later because he was too injured. But uh, I think that both of them legitimately ended up making their teammates better. I think that LeBron was for whatever reason, I think a lot of Michael Jordan stands say LeBron doesn't make his teammates better. I think the ways in which he makes his teammates better is so much more obvious where, you know, Michael Jordan's competitive streak is so much more out there and obvious where the, the way LeBron makes his teammates better is so much out, more out there and obvious where Michael Jordan, I think a key moment in the documentary that I came away with was how he was talking to Dennis Rodman when Pippen had to walk away and He's like, hey, man, I need you to be my number two. And Rodman played some of the best basketball of his career, even like not the twilight of his career, but toward like it, way past his like dominant Detroit Pistons days. Uh, where, and I thought that was like a really profound moment in the documentary. And then even talking about Pippen, like he's stronger when somebody's standing next to him, knowing like to have that sort of emotional intelligence to recognize that in your teammate and, and make your teammate stronger in that way was like almost Tim Duncan esque. And so I, 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 to, as far as getting your teammates paid, I think it matters. I don't like, I wouldn't like start counting the dollar figures. Right. But I would, I would say that in what that represents to me is making your teammates better. And I think both of them did make their teammates better in extreme and major ways. Yeah. That, that Rodman story really stuck out to me too. There was a couple of things about the Rodman thing. Um, and it was how Jordan recognized that different people need different things and yeah. allowed them to get away with it. I don't remember what they were disagreeing about, but there was a story that Rodman came and apologized to Jordan without apologizing. He stopped yeah, by he and got, said, he, hey. Yeah, he got kicked out of a game. He just he, There you yeah. go. That's, a, yep, that's exactly right. And he says, hey, do you have an extra cigar? And then they go back to Jordan and he, he says, look, I knew he was apologizing. I didn't need the words out of his mouth. You know. And then um, further on, we see this concept, and Wes, you brought it up, Rodman brings up the idea that he needs extra time. And Jordan says, you know, you, I'm the one who needs extra time. But he ultimately not only allowed it, but when Rodman disappeared for God knows how many hours, supposedly, I guess, all this one seems kind of unbelievable to me. It was Jordan who went to Vegas 
pulled his ass out of the uh, of the hotel room, and at least as far as the documentary is concerned, there didn't seem like there was any lasting animosity. You know, like the only thing we saw that he was kind of pissy about was that Jordan didn't want to go through conditioning drills again. And it turned out it wasn't necessary. You know, Rodman was already back up on his feet. Um, but let me give you another softball, another reason why at least LeBron should be considered. And I don't know why the hell I'm doing this. It's a kind of helps you. But um, I heard or I've heard Jordan referred to as the blueprint that and this kind of fits within what Marcus was talking about. You know, he he came in and redefined what it meant to be, or he continued what it meant to be a superstar with Bird and uh, Magic, but then redefined it, continued to push it forward, shoe contracts and commercials and those kind of things. LeBron took that and expanded it even further, you know, with the opening of schools, with things like Clutch, with, you know, him seemingly controlling the media in a way that Jordan wasn't allowed to. I don't know if they fit into the greatest of all time conversation, but if we're comparing their legacies we at least need to throw that stuff out there. I think all of this stuff, like to me, I'm, I'm more of a, I don't want to count all that stuff when we're really having a debate at greatest of all time, but it does sort of feed into the narrative. It feeds into your perception and ultimately your, your opinion on who these guys are. And I think you just sort of got, when it comes to this stuff, it is so hard to give more credit to LeBron than Michael Jordan, because like you said, Michael Jordan kind of laid a certain foundation or whatever, like kind of built on a foundation. LeBron builds off of that. And that's just how this, these things go. Um, I, I do think, and look, I'm not, I, again, not old enough to really understand like the political, political landscape of the country back then, but it was always bothers, bothersome that Michael Jordan just like never stood up for like anything. Republicans like, buy shoes too, Wes. Yeah, exactly. Like, and like LeBron, but then again, like could LeBron have done that? back then right or was he well, building off the china of, thing he kind of did with the china oh no he, thing, yeah right? he hit he hit <laughs> he hit in a bush yeah. during the entire thing because he was again chinese people buy shoes and it was just like he couldn't <laughs> right. not he couldn't say something it was the same exact thing um so yeah i, I don't know I, I when it comes to that kind of stuff and what they did lebron grew grew the business of basketball the player empowerment thing is so important to how the league works these days the you know what michael jordan stayed on one team but he didn't really but he stayed on one team his whole career but again he didn't uh but lebron was like i'm just gonna keep moving around because that's how i want to do it it's just like i don't need to be you know i don't need to be loyal to the laundry so to speak yep. so I, I do think that he's just built on that and i just i think both of them get credit to me it doesn't differentiate them it, it puts them in the same sort of category because there are so many players who don't do that sort of thing, right? Yeah, so but that's just, matter. that's indicative of the times too, right? I mean, it was, what was interesting was when the Bulls lost to the Pistons, their response was, we need to go back and lift more weights and be stronger. When the Pistons lost, they did the same thing. They're like, okay, we need to figure out the Jordan rules. And there was that rivalry. These days, it's if you lose, it's who can we go pick up from a different team that can make us better? And, you know, there's, there's arguments for both sides as to what's an okay approach, but it's just a different way. So when you're saying like, who's the better teammate, you know, does the off the court stuff matter? I agree. It's, it's, it's subjective and it's hard to quantify and actually, you know, give a, a good answer. I think it definitely counts and it should be weighed, but the, the errors are so different that I don't think it's, it's really fair to either player to kind of make an absolute value on, on either of those things, because you can't, they're just so different. Their approach was so different. If you would have said, okay, 
Kyrie, LeBron, and Kevin Love, you guys all have to stay here and try it again. And you can't change anybody. And same with the Warriors. You can't get KD. You have to do this with your same squad. It's just not the way it was approached. I don't remember at any point saying that we were going to be fair when we made this argument. Don't you worry about whether that's an even playing field. We just need to argue this crap out. And I tell you what, we got six more episodes to allow this argument to really uh, work itself out. So I'll end it with this question to you, Maxime. Are you a little bit disappointed, if not a little surprised, that at some point during this, Wes didn't say, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. Why don't you guys just keep talking this out? (laughs) Yeah, I want to get his real behind-the-scenes takes. <laughs> use that to push us into our next segment. So this is still the last dance, boys, but I'm gonna put a pause on MJ v LBJ. And now we're gonna go to another probably poorly titled segment. We'll find out when Wes hears it and immediately comes up with a better one. I'm calling this rabbit holes, and what it is is unanswerable questions we still have to ask. Here is my first one for you guys. Who so far has worn the most ridiculous hat? Is it Jordan and his beret, Phil Jackson and his large uh, Indiana Jones hat, or Rodman and his Renaissance painter's hat? For me, it's it's Rodman. But that's an almost yeah. like unfair. Like yeah. obviously, it's Rodman. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the way in which he wears it too. It gives him rank them, rank them for me, Wes. One, two, and three. Most ridiculous to least ridiculous. You know what? Screw it. Michael Jordan has the most ridiculous hat. LeBron James. LeBron would have never worn that hat. You bastard. You're just being prideful uh, now. I'll have no, no. you know I'm wearing a beret right now as an idiot. It was ridiculous because he was wearing it so seriously. <laughs> Where Rodman was always in on the joke. You know, like he knew exactly what he was doing. He, he knew he was in on the bit, right? Michael Jordan like didn't know we were laughing at his beret. So Michael Jordan, most ridiculous, followed by whoever the other person was, Ben Rodman. Phil Jackson, there, there's a throwaway line. Oh no, Phil line. Jackson. Phil Jackson is the least ridiculous because that yeah, was totally within his character. There's a throwaway line, although we didn't actually get to see the hat, but I think it's Kraus, and he's talking about the first time that Phil Jackson was interviewed for the job and he didn't get it, and he mentions, I believe, that he was wearing a hat with a parrot feather in it, and the idea that someone would come <laughs> to an interview, any interview, with like, not only am I going to be wearing a hat through that interview, I'm going to need a bird's feather. In fact, a parrot feather was so interesting to me, but we didn't get to see it. So my one, two, three, most ridiculous by far, whether or not he was in on the joke or not, Rodman's Renaissance hat, followed closely by uh, Jordan's beret, and then uh, Phil Jackson's parrot hat. Uh, Marcus, what's your order? Um, I think it's Jordan Beret, number one. And it's because he had his name inscribed on it, I think is what they said in there. So that little bit, I mean, I think just in general, you know, Michael Jordan to me is still the goat um, on the court, but I think (laughs) where he is definitely not the goat is his fashion sense. So um, I think just, just the beret alone and having your name, like to Wes's point, he took it so seriously. Like he was like, Oh, and this is my beret in case everybody else gets one and you need to know who's one I need to put on my head. So I would go Michael and then Dennis and then uh, Phil Jackson. Maxime, how much money would I have to pay you? Real question. How much money would I have to pay you to wear a beret with your name on it completely seriously for a work week? You couldn't tell anybody. Like you just, you had to present like, nope, this is my new look now down to the fact that it has my name on it. I don't know. Brim, I don't know what you say about berets. Wherever the hell that name was, how much would it take? Oof, well, you're catching me at an interesting time in this reduced economy and the shelter in place. So this might be biased to that end. I, I don't know. 100, 200 bucks, something like that. <laughs> Wes, would I have you in a bray for a week for 200 bucks? 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Done. Can I just, I want to throw out, I, to me, like, it's interesting that you framed the argument, Wes, in terms of, like, what's in line with their character. Because, like, that doesn't, I don't, that doesn't change anything for me. I, I find it, the whole Phil Jackson, Native American thing, and I know they sort of described it as, like, he grew up in this place around Native American communities. It's fucking weird, man. It's like, hell of annoying. It's so weird. <laughs> when, when they started going through the various things that were in the team room and he's mentioning it just like of course that's in there you know i had like a yes. bone from the neck of a buffalo you know it's like what are you talking about yes. dude? like why is that in there but the the interesting part about success man and it's true for money too if you have a ton of money or you have a ton of success you can be as strange as you want and they don't call it strange. They call it eccentric, you know? So he can do all that crazy stuff and people are just like, oh, he's super eccentric. We're really, it's just strange as hell. But let me give you a, a little bit more of a serious question. So these are different eras, right? Um, and one of the things that you talked about that kind of sparked this for me, Wes, was the difference in how possibly LeBron is demonstrating his own competitive spirit than the way that Jordan did. And it's possible, just possible, that LeBron recognizes that in an era of social media where everything is told immediately, it wouldn't be consumed the same way. So which leads me to this question. If Jordan was a dick now, you know, this same level of you, I'll punch my grandmother if it means winning the finals. And we got to hear about it immediately, right? When he trashed uh, Kwame Brown, and basically destroyed his career supposedly. We heard about it right then. Or when he refused to hug his teammate, um, you know, jokingly after the McDonald's championship in Paris. Would it be received the same way now, you know, or would he be vilified for it? Um, I think we're seeing a little bit of that. It's not to the same degree just because he wasn't, in, is not as dominant, but Chris Paul has kind of gotten that other end of the stick throughout his career. I mean, he was basically like James Harden told them, like told management trade this guy. He's an asshole. I don't want him around anymore. But then again, James Harden was the best player on that team. If it would, if it were the other way around, Chris Paul might've had James Harden trade. I don't know. I, I think it's, I, I think it's actually less. I think it's less of just like the social media and the, and the 24 seven news cycle part of it. I really just think it's a, it's a generational thing. Like I was talking to uh, Andy Thompson about this uh, for an article I wrote shout out to articles that I write. Um, but he was talking, I asked him that question. I was like, is that like, were you uncomfortable now showing this film 22 years later, understanding like what it was back then to you? And he's like, I grew up in the era where coaches just yelled at kids. It was just normal. Like yeah. you played sports, you got yelled at period. It was normal for all these guys. Uh, but that's just not the way a lot of these NBA players even now grew up. They just, they didn't get yelled at. It was a different generational thing. So if Michael Jordan came in from like back in time 30 years ago and just started like flamethrowering everybody. Yeah. We'd be like, who the hell? Like Bob Knight was revered, revered. He was in movies. He was like the greatest basketball coach of all time. He was coaching the Olympics. Like he was like revered. And now we all hate him because he's a jackass. Like it's just, it's a generational thing. And, uh, that I think that's mostly what it would be. You boys agree? Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I mean, I it, it's like this question of on court versus off court, you know, I I I liken it a lot to like um Miles Davis is a complete jackass. 
he famously punched band members down a set of stairs um, <laughs> after they quit the band. But like he's still the greatest trumpet player, you know. It's just like, who cares how you get the results so long as you get the results? Suddenly, I really want a Miles Di- or a Miles Davis documentary in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would immediately be all over that. Uh, I think I, I think that my take on that is I think that is a um, uh, a, a notch in the LeBron category because I think he's handled that like astonishingly well, like for all the players and, you know, for all the access that we have to players' personal lives, like there really hasn't been a huge LeBron scandal, you know? And I think there for him to have navigated that and, and not had those moments um, isn't a bad thing. It doesn't mean he's less competitive to the point to where he shouldn't be considered the goat. I mean, I think it's amazing that we're having this discussion because there's actually a, a debate that you can have about it. So I think that's a huge thing for LeBron. But I just think the 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 way that the media works today, I think Michael Jordan would have had a harder time with it. I think there would have been some more, he would have been vilified a little bit more on a few things because of his personality versus the way LeBron handles it. Well, if we put these two topics together, the way you just did MT and I like it, the one thing that I will immediately side with Wes on is that LeBron is a more polished uh, media uh, presenter. There's no question about it at all. And, and we've even seen Jordan within the course of the documentary grow up on that side. We see him, you know, in 84 as a rookie kind of bashful not knowing what he wants to do. And then we see some of the most polished takes uh, that I've ever seen from an athlete. He loses in, in two straight game sevens and gives these really calm explanations you know, to a camera. But he wasn't like that when he first got in. LeBron, from the moment he was, what, 16, 17, has been in the crucible of the media. You know, ESPN was broadcasting his games immediately. So even as a rookie, he had a polish to him when it came to dealing with reporters that Jordan didn't have. You know, and that, that probably is more of a byproduct of era, but let me ask you this. So we've been a little tongue in cheek um, and this one's a little bit more serious. So, you know, put your thinking hats on boys. Um, but in your opinion, I'll throw it to you first, Wes, who has a deeper voice, Scotty Pippen or Darth Vader? Wow. What a season, you know, playing against the Knicks and it was a lot of fun to be honest with you. No, I am your father. Oh my God. Uh, so Darth Vader's wearing a mask, right? Mm, fair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so if you were to put no, that I like mask this. Yeah. on Scottie Pippen, okay. look, if, if you ask me a serious question like this, I'm going to, I'm going to answer it seriously. Yeah. Um, if you give Scottie Pippen the mask, he may have a deeper voice. He is not nearly as menacing, <laughs> but, uh, he may... He may have a deeper voice. Was that not the saddest scene, by the way, in the entire documentary so far, that behind-the-scenes footage, going in the hotel room and just asking him, hey, so you were making like a big fuss of never playing again, and now it sounds like you are. What's the deal? And he's yeah, like, oh, yeah. they threatened my paycheck? Yeah. Like, that was yeah. the saddest thing yeah. I've ever seen. Oh, oh yeah. Well, and, and the flip of uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner. You know, like when they first come to him and they're asking him about the contract that Pippen signed. And he's like, yeah, man, I told him then, you know, this is you're, uh, too many years. Like, this is not good for you. You shouldn't do it. And then there's like three seconds, four seconds, five seconds. And they ask him, well, what if he'd wanted to renegotiate? He's like, oh, hell no. He's like, no, absolutely not. Dude. That's what they agreed to. So that's what's going to happen. 
And it makes it makes Dennis Rodman's or not Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen's uh, appearances on the jump even more sad because now you know why he's doing it. And it kind of seems like a favor that ESPN is doing for him and maybe for Michael Jordan in order to like get the rights to run this thing. I don't even uh, know because you're making me hell of sad now. You're making me Scottie sad. Pippen is like not is legitimately not good. He has not had a single good point ever on the jump. <laughs> And it's I like, said, why do they continue to bring him out here? Okay. It's, okay, you know what sorry. they need to do on the jump? They need to give him Darth Vader's it's helmet a, and just exactly. let him solidify the deepest voice title. Just give him that win, man. You know yeah, what I mean? It's just why, why do we keep leaving this argument on the fence? We should have an answer to it immediately. Let me give you a more serious one. Um, so the last couple, we've been looking at the rivalry between Detroit and the Bulls. And it is drama. It's fantastic. They hated each other. You know, I mean, one of the scenes I in particularly liked is first we get Isaiah's explanation for why they left the floor. And then we have this scene where they try to hand that explanation to Jordan. And before he even watches, he's like, oh, that's bullshit. Whatever he says is a filthy lie. So my question to you guys is, in this era where the stars grow up playing with one another, AAU, they know each other for years and years and years. Will we ever see a heated rivalry like Bulls Pistons? No way, especially in the era of player movement like this. I mean, even just the, you know, Rodman switching on to the Bulls, I think is enough of a case study of why that shouldn't happen because you never know when the guy that you're supposed to be hating ends up as your teammate. Yeah, um, which really struck out to me. That was almost like Rodman joining the Bulls after what we saw would be like Harden joining the Warriors. You know, like they hated each other, man. Um, And he seemingly was able to come in without any real drama uh mt west do you guys agree no is the era of you uh you know contest between teams done i think so i mean i think it i don't think it'll ever get to the level of the bulls pistons i think it'll get close like you the warriors and Cavs didn't like each other warriors and thunder didn't like each other for example um but i i think what prevents it AAU has a thing in it, but I think what really prevents it is Team USA. Because I think they all get to know each other and play with each other in FIBA and in the Olympics. And they're all the superstars and they bond, you know, like they get to know each other. One of the reasons why KD and Draymond were close friends was because of the Olympic team. So I think that camaraderie that is built over that time is going to prevent them from being... Um, you know, like heated, heated rivalries. And it's one of the reasons why Isaiah and Michael still hate each other is because Michael is like, you're not putting them on Isaiah on the drink team. Yeah, I think that that's a good point you make there. And it's it's even like you just take that further. I mean, the, the way that shoe deals work now and shoe companies work, I mean, everybody that, you know, wears Nike knows each other. Everybody that wears Adidas knows each other. Um, they go to these like events during All-Star Weekend, like all the time. I mean, like players who have never played together, a like grew up on opposite sides of the country, like just never like are best friends because they they got to know each other through this Nike event, you know, in Las Vegas or whatever. Um, yeah, I I don't think we'll ever. I, I think we'll get close, but it's never going to be like the sustained thing like Detroit and Chicago was. I mean, I think the closest, honestly, that we've gotten to it is Houston versus Golden State because Houston kind of did it that way. They they kept switching out a lot of players, but the key yeah. players were still there. And they literally built their team to beat the Warriors. And that's what resonated with me is when uh, they were talking about Chicago sort of rebuilding. Like, yeah, they got into the weight room, but they made you know their roster moves and also in order to beat Detroit. We'll still get some of that, but I don't know that we'll get that necessary. Like, I don't think we'll get that, that vitriol in between specific personalities 
the way that like we won't get that anymore the way we got it back then also too because there is a little bit now an us against them thing with professional athletes and the media to kind of go back to that it kind of all comes back because back then the media wasn't what it was, right? It wasn't 24-7 sports coverage wall-to-wall. Like, ESPN wasn't what it was back then. Like, it, it, you even go back to, like, Bill Russell's era where he just, like, hated almost every opponent that he played against because it's like, who else are you going to hate? The whole us against them was us being the Celtics, them, all the other NBA players. Yeah. Now it's sort of evolved from us, NBA players, slash just professional athletes in general, them, just, like, the collective public who don't really know... Like we see more like Russell Westbrook fighting with fans than we do other players at this right. point. So I do think that that us against them thing has sort of evolved into that. I think you guys are right. And it makes me kind of sad to say that because yeah. nothing elevates a playoff game like genuine dislike. You know, um, it's just the stuff that good entertainment is made of. Uh, when Rodman takes the longer than 48 hours detour during the middle of a championship season and is in Vegas, we get some footage where he's taking kamikaze shots. I don't remember what the hell's in a kamikaze. I think it's a bunch of different types of alcohol, but he has like some specific cheers to it, right? And then at the end of that scene, and now uh, Rodman is back at Bulls practice, there's a quick like two or three second interlude where it looks like a cameraman is filming Rodman at a Bulls practice and he's got one of those iconic Gatorade cups in his hand. So you can't see through it. You know, it's, it's a green cardboard cup that says Gatorade. And Rodman doesn't say anything, doesn't say anything, doesn't say anything. And then he looks into the camera and he says, this is a kamikaze, talking about the drink he is apparently drinking at practice. <laughs> Do you guys think he had a kamikaze in that glass? Because I'm going to say yes. I feel, you know, like I can tell you hair of the dog is a real thing. If you have a, uh, a hangover, and you drink a little alcohol the next day, it helps you get through the hangover. You are having withdrawals and your body needs a little bit of the reminder. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he needed a little taste to get through that morning practice. And it also wouldn't surprise me, given what we've seen from the Bulls organization then, that they allowed it. You're like, F it, whatever, dude. He'll give us 19 rebounds tonight. Let him drink whatever the hell he wants. What do you guys think? Absolutely. 100%. It was kamikaze in that cup i mean this dude they showed that stat he's he got he's he got 20 rebounds and zero points in seven games throughout his career seven times he got 20 rebounds and zero points that's just bananas like the next closest person is marcus canby with two like it's just a crazy crazy stat but i mean he dennis robin started load management basically yep. I mean, he basically he he took off 48 hours it's like you know like i need a break and you know, Phil Jackson, to his credit, like they said in the documentary and Steve Kerr talked about it, like he was the ultimate at understanding his players and, you know, like making sure that he coached in a way that treated every individual player as their own person and what would be best to bring out the best in them. So Kamikazes. Um, Kamikazes yeah. when are Kamikazes when are in practice. <laughs> the, and I will, I agree with both of you. I'm going I'm to use science to back up our argument here. Yes. Kamikaze is vodka, triple sec and lime juice. The most common Gatorade flavor, among the top two most common Gatorade flavors among sports in, in sports area, is lime, is green, what, or whatever right. flavor, it's whatever, lemon lime. And so you already have one of the three ingredients in that cup. All you had to do, we don't think that Dennis Robin carries a bottle of vodka with him all the time. Of course he does. So all he needed to do is find some triple sec. I'm sure he was prepared. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was a done, done deal. Slam dunk. Let me give you a harder question. It's a two-parter. Part one. 
in your mind, is there any way that Jordan actually went into a Vegas hotel room and pulled Mitt Robin out of the bed? And two, if the answer to that is yes, who is lying? Jordan or Carmen Electra? Because Jordan says, I pulled him out of the bed and I don't even want to talk about what was in the bed. What's happening there? We just pulled him out. Carmen Electra says, yeah, he came in, but I hid, you know, I hid in the closet. She, she gives some, some response about how she wasn't in the bed. So what's going on there? Bring, bring me to the bottom of that. No, she said I hid under the covers. But Carmen, well, she said this. There's a knock on the door. It's Michael Jordan. And I hid. I, 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 I didn't, I didn't want him to seem like that. So I like, I'm just like hiding behind the couch with covers over me. Come on, you, we gotta get to practice. She was in the bed. No, she sat behind the couch. Yeah, behind, behind the, couch. the couch. Yeah, exactly right. She, she, she took herself out of that scenario. So, I mean, maybe Jordan saw somebody else in there, but, but take them one at a time. Did Jordan go in there? And what the hell did he see? Yes, he went in there. Yes, Carmen Electra was in there. Yes, Carmen Electra hid behind a couch. Yes, there was something else that Carmen Electra and Dennis Rodman were sharing that was still in that bed that Michael <laughs> Jordan saw. Would you like to venture a guess as to what that third item was or leave it up to our imagination? Uh, a little bit harder than kamikazes, I would imagine. <laughs> Fair enough. And team Maxine, you guys want to touch this with a 20-foot pole or just let it slide out? <laughs> yes, Jordan absolutely went there. He doesn't seem like somebody who would lie about that kind of situation. And he wanted him back he was like if you're gonna anybody takes a break it's me um <laughs> yes karma Lecter was in there i guess she wasn't under the sheet so she's behind the couch and i think the what was in the bed was at least two other people yeah so that all that all adds up i'm gonna go right down the chain so rather than repeat everything that was just said i'm just gonna ask um joe exotic and doc antle were they bringing tigers to vegas in the 90s 100 <laughs> percent a hundred percent. I bet you, I mean, this is far enough back where they probably had a relationship with Carol Baskin's husband before he was fed off to one of those tigers. You know, yeah, I mean, RIP, that's exactly right. And Shana. Also, yeah. I understand he was a member of the Marriott Hotel Group. So we should uh, we should put that on the record. Uh, let me give you guys this final question. And Wes, it's, it's aimed at you directly. Um, and so another segment that we will explore during these last dance conversations is how eras have changed. And we, I'm not going to jump into it too much right now. Um, but one of the things that stuck out was the story we heard about Chicago's cocaine traveling circus, right? And the kind of, you know, Jordan says that during his rookie year, he uh, knocks on a door, the, somebody looks through it, hears teammates say, oh, it's just Jordan. They open it up, and in there is a cornucopia of fun, depending on how you use that word. So there's girls over here, there's cocaine here, there's other stuff over here. Everything was in a single room, and the entire team seemed to be partaking in it. And that room was in the uh, was in the team hotel. Wes, you travel with these boys. Could anything like that happen now? I'm not talking about the Warriors. You know, I'm not, you don't have to bring out anybody specific. But just like this era, could and in an era where everyone has a cell phone. I mean, not just the players, but everyone in the hotel. Everything. Is there any way parties like that can still happen? Yeah. Fuck yes. That yeah, makes me so totally. happy. Um, I mean, it's just, it would happen differently than how it happened before. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know I, how they acquired all of those things in order. I would imagine it wasn't that hard. I imagine you go to a nightclub and it, they, they see who you are and they figure it out for you, right? 
Now it's a little bit less like it's all based on your cell phone. That's why you can do it. You have technology. I mean, you have like Postmates. I'm sure you can just like Postmates strippers and cocaine. Like, why not? <laughs> Use promo code locked on NBA. Um, but I do think that uh, with with all of the everything at your information at your disposal now, like 100%. And plus, like I said before, these guys are so media savvy at this point. But they're not going to like, you're not going to have some like asshole walking in filming it. I mean, you might have like a D'Angelo Russell situation right, early on, right. but like you don't invite the rookies, right? <laughs> like you just, you, ha- you just, it, it's the cool, like you're not going to have it to the point where it's all of them and Michael Jordan walks in. It's going to be maybe like three or four of the guys who really know what's up. And then they, you know, get what they need and they have a nice night. I mean, look, the, you have, you, you can tell when players are like hung over and stuff. You have like the Miami flu for a reason. Like stuff still happens. So why wouldn't it go to an extreme? All these guys only live in extremes. I and it's can't. why they leave. You have to leave your cell phone in a bag or on the table in some parties. That makes yeah. Sense. Dave, Dave Chappelle style. Yeah. yeah exactly. That makes sense. Also, Wes, let me tell you how remarkably jealous I am of the apparent sponsors, the locked on podcast has my God, man. I mean, you know, like oh, we had like the one where you shave your balls. You've got ones that can bring you Postmates <laughs> cocaine. There's like, so I need to get on that. $100 in free delivery credit in your first seven days. My God. I mean, I need to get on that. That's just all there is to it. Boys, the uh, Maxine Marcus, we are not pulling our weight. And I mean that in a, you know, in a few different ways. Okay. Huge fun, you guys. In fact, so much fun. I left a bunch of content on the table here. I got another couple of pages, but there's no way we can force people to listen to longer than a 90-minute podcast. So we'll put a quick pause on it here and then rejoin this conversation maybe a little bit later in the week. Uh, Wes, damn, man. Awesome. Awesome appearance. I love your fire. I always do. And I'm even more positive I'm not alone. Those out there who need more Goldberg in their life, where should they turn? Um, go to Twitter at WC Goldberg and uh, hit up that Postmates code, guys. <laughs> I, I hate pimping other people's podcasts, but I've <laughs> got to say this, man. I've got to say it. You have an amazing guest coming up next week on Locked On. Who is it? When can we hear the episode? Oh, yeah. I had uh, Jason Richardson on um, this week, actually. It already, it, I, I posted it early. Um, it was. If like I think it's going to be really relevant for Warriors fans. It's only like 18 minutes long. It's literally just my conversation with him over the phone. But in the third segment, um, he just he tells a story that you're going to want to hear. That's all. Badass. Lock uh, on Warriors. There. Get yeah. out there, inject it out. Uh, you know where they'll find us: Twitter at Warriors Huddle, our email account uh, WarriorsHuddle at Gmail we have a Patreon account, but for right now, we've actually suspended it. Um, you know how much we appreciate your guys' generosity, your support with both your time and your money. Right now, with the pandemic and everything so weird economically, uh, we've turned off those donations because it just doesn't seem right. But thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll let you guys know, um, hopefully, when the economy opens back up, when we will be accepting that generosity again. Uh, with that in mind, go Warriors. And hopefully, we'll see you later this week. Good, good. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? 
I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20.